Hey guys, it's Amelia Singer here on Ameliorate Through Wine, where I pair wine to international guest palettes, personalities, and personal stories. I am thrilled that this podcast is being vigorously propelled by the Rothschild Wine Collection from Good House Wadston, all names synonymous with a century-old legacy of art and wine craftsmanship. I really couldn't think of a better pairing for this wine and culture podcast. From the early 1920s to the present day, the Rothschild family's profound love for both art and wine coming together has been at the heart of their journey. Their family's artistic heritage distinguishes the labels, often telling a unique story that gives an extra dimension into their exceptional wines. With handcrafted bottles created by celebrated artists, mesmerizing cellar installations, and label artwork produced by members of the family themselves, the Rothschild's timeless commitment to the fusion of art and wine is a legacy that continues to inspire connoisseurs and enthusiasts alike. Visit goodhousewadston.com for more information. So now, sit back, pour yourself a glass, and enjoy. Hey guys, it's Amelia Singer here on Ameliorate Through Wine. And in my little house today, I have got Kelvin and Liz Fletcher, the ultimate power couple. They've appeared in Emmerdale, Coldfeet, like amazing, amazing TV shows. Kelvin's gone on to win Strictly Come Dancing in 2019. And then when everyone else was terrified and living in fear during the pandemic, they made a super incredible move to, wait for it, from Manchester, to an 120-acre farm, which they then managed to create an incredible TV show around called Kelvin's Big Farming Adventure. And now I'm really excited to share with you all they have a brand new show out now called Fletcher's Family Farm. So that's also a hint what they've been getting up to in the last two years. Guys, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. That's the best intro we've ever had. Oh, yes. really? Power couple. Yeah. We've never been called that before. <laughs> never. It's amazing. No, that very much inspired me because I'm... Um, on this podcast, what I love to do is choose three wines curated to your personality, palettes, and personal story. And we've got some really interesting choices today because your story is just so fascinating. Um, I must admit, the first bottle which you see is not actually a wine bottle. So I'm going to break the rules for you here. But actually, when, um, I always love to have the first wine or the first drink um, to kind of encapsulate your personal story and, and and that can be home life that can be how you grew up and when I was talking to you guys about things you enjoyed at home and wines which you enjoyed to relax with what did come up a bit was your love of vermouth and sweet sherry and like more kind of like aperitif stuff so that is what I've done today so we're actually drinking a slow gin but to tie it into your story it's actually a slow gin from Yorkshire Oh, because, wow. yeah, I know that that's you guys spent a lot of time in Manchester and now obviously you have a farm on the Peak District. So um, I know this is like quite a punch in the morning, but I believe you guys can handle it. Um, this so this is, is from from Yorkshire, from Yorkshire, a northern it's, it's, gin, a northern gin. It's handpicked hedgerow sloths. Um, it's actually it's available at Corny and Barrow. All of the, the drinks will be um, enjoyed today from Corny Ooh. and Barrow. Wow. It's oh got a kick, God. hasn't it? But isn't it now? I would say Hello. you can drink this with ice, but I really wanted you to try um, this neat. So I am going to go on to how you, um, Calvin asked, how does one taste wine? I would say this is pretty similar. You do want to swirl it around, you want to oxygenate it because 90% of what you um, taste is what you smell. So to really open up the flavors, you want to swirl it around. But as it's quite high in ethanol, it's about 30% alcohol because it is a gin, um, you want to smell it. But smelling um, spirits is different to smelling wine because um, you don't want to desensitize your nose. So normally with wine, you can like smell up to five seconds and then you'll get nasal fatigue. With spirits, what you want to do when you're smelling them is just gradually, almost just gently waft it past your nostrils and you'll get a lot. Like hopefully you will get some of the juniper berries. You will get some of the Christmas Because if not, spice. it feels too overwhelming. It feels like you yeah. just get the alcohol. Yeah, like exactly. And then you will get that nasal fatigue. So, um, so hopefully now by doing this, you do get like the freshness and the juniper and there's like lovely, like kind of spiced plum things going on. And then when you taste spirits as opposed to wine, um, 
you do want to still, uh, like you are still looking for the same things, like you are wanting to put it on the center of your, um, roll it around your tongue because the center of your palate is actually pretty desensitive. And by rolling it around your palate, you're actually feeling hopefully lovely silky texture. Also, this is why no one looks good. You want to oxygenate the wine to basically mimic that swirling action, but on your palate. So that's why no one looks good tasting wine because you're like sipping oxygen in through a straw whilst rolling the liquid around your palate to really open up the flavors and really be able to taste the fruit, to be able to appreciate the spice, hopefully appreciate the velvety texture. I can go first. How long, how long should I swirl in my, my mouth, mouth for before I, sell, yeah. before I swallow? Well, I think just like a few seconds, just to really like allow it to coat the palate, allow yourself to really be able to pick up on any kind of flavors. On the sides of your palate is where you're gonna be picking up the acidity and brightness. And by doing that, you're allowed to open up because if you just swig it back, particularly with spirits, you'll just feel the alcoholic burn at the back of your throat and you yeah. won't pick up any of the wonderful hand-picked, you know, slows and whatever, which have been macerating away. So I'll go first, I'll waft it away, waft it in front of my nose, and then this hasn't been filmed, so I can like really go for this. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like really trying to get in there. What you don't want to do is choke on your sojourn, but so you by really, by rolling it around, You can then hopefully you can like really feel like almost like the glycerol velvety sassy texture. There's only you that make that look attractive. It feels. <laughs> it, it, I've tried that. It actually feels like an easier taste mm -hmm. because you've yeah. not got the sharpness of yeah. that. You know, thirty percent alcohol. What that that kind of because it is a sharpness. By rolling it around, by mixing it with the air, <laughs> you do hopefully get more of like yeah the plum and then the spices coming through. I can do through. it. You do it. <laughs> what are you doing? Like. Or you can just like, you can literally just do that. You don't, it doesn't need to be like mouthwash. It's just like really just allowing some oxygen to come in and allow yourself to swirl it around to allow it to open up. And then hopefully on the finish, what I mean by that is like the lasting impression, like you can still taste the spices and the yeah. plums. So as opposed to, if you just knock it back, then you just pick up on like the alcoholic the burn. burn. Yeah, well, that's that's mate. That's like a game changer. That's yeah. completely changed. Now, of course, you can have this with ice. Um, you can add it to champagne and things like that. But um, I wanted, yeah, this is the purest way, and they actually really pride themselves. Um, I, I really love. It's family run. This company, they very much pride themselves that this is something which you can enjoy neat. As I say, um, they've been creating this because they've been taking over certain farmyards and helping like regenerate it like and they have they kind of work with local farmers this, mm -hmm. this family the Kurtzoys and uh yeah so everything's hand-picked and they make all kinds of gins and liquors and I just kind of thought you know it's just down the road from you and just to you know I'm all I know they're all about drinking local and eating local so it seemed a good festive way to start. Mm, that's great. I wouldn't normally choose a gin but that is actually really is nice. Lovely. And what is it with a gin about duty as well if depending on the the how how, how much alcohol, alcohol is in there, it is, or then, you, then yeah. So the if duty it's, that's paid, and, I, and then therefore you do pay more for spirits. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, this is actually it's it's thirty pounds, which again, like you're not going to go through it straight away. And also, as I say, you can you can have, you can make tonics with it. You can add you know prosecco to it and make it a really festive Christmas aperitif for a Christmas party. And it's so easy if you want to like you know want to do cocktails, but like have a really easy but. Yeah different cocktail. I think this would be really fun to show over the festive period. It feels like if you had that with ice, it would- It would it, dilute it. And it would be like a, I don't feel like it would be a harsher taste. Yeah. The, the, the fact that it's warm at room temperature allows it to, I don't know, it's a little it bit really of a softer. It to yeah. Yeah. Good guys, thank you. That was like also a test being like how open-minded you are. I don't, you know, and bearing in mind this is a morning recording. I love that. Um, so yeah, definitely yeah. check out the Kurtoy's other, um, like products too, because yeah, they do make all kinds of things. Um, and the book pairing for it, they say, is actually a Christmas carol, Dickens Christmas carol. Oh. I see why. But we've now dived a little bit into your background and things you enjoy at home. When did you first ever try wine? I think I was probably younger than I should have been because my dad drinks wine. He likes- Mine does too. He likes certain wines. He likes sherries, he likes whiskeys. Mm. My mum doesn't drink. Ah, interesting. So okay. he used to always pour me like a tiny like drop of wine and let me taste it. And that's why you like sweet sherry too when we were talking yeah. on the phone, you love sherry. It reminds me of like growing up and um, 
Yeah, so, and I split from the two. I either go from just drinking loads of tea with my mum. Yeah. Or I do really enjoy a nice tasting wine with a dinner. And really savour it. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a real special occasion, drinking wine for me. Yeah. I, what about you? We, uh, I think, <clears throat> as a family, as I said before, that we'd, we wouldn't have wine traditionally with, with food or we wouldn't be a wine drinking family in that sense. However, throughout my teens, early teens, I was obviously, you know, you know, working in television. So I was opportunities there to go to many dinners yeah, and kind yeah. of have access to wine or be in company where wine was a thing. So weirdly, not in my own family setting, but certainly through my work, I was able to, so I would have thought at dinners yeah. as a young 15, 16 year old, you know, maybe I'd say to my dad or my mom or whoever was chaperoning me, maybe can I have a taste of that. No. Um, but but alcohol was never really a thing in the household. It was always, you know, a pub was the hub. Yeah. And that you'd leave the house to go to the pub to socialize, to do your drinking. Whereas the home was not sacred in any way, but I, I wouldn't ever see my parents drink alcohol in the, in the house really. Um, and like I said, we, we weren't quite cultured enough to have wine with, with food. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I what are you trying to say? <laughs> no, what Lizzie's, well, yeah. We, we, yeah, maybe Lizzie's the family were, but um, yeah, no. I, I think wine, wines, you can do that because on, on the continent, you know, in Europe, oh, yeah. it's, it's very much a thing, isn't My it? My European father has had me tasting wine from age six. I should oh, not really? be missing oh, wow. on the podcast. Just to sit before dinner to like, <laughs> don't, don't write in viewers. What's, what's the reasoning? <laughs> I'm <dad> okay. <laughs> what were the reasoning for that, to introduce your palate to that? Yeah, to... like, because I loved food and I love different flavors. And I know that you guys love your food and produce. And so food's always like, Dinners and family meals have always been a really big thing. So I just have a sip before dinner and then I describe a taste. And and he tried the same thing with my sister. My sister's not into food. She's a vegan, um, but not saying that you can't be into food and vegan, but she was just like, no. And now obviously, as you say, like you both love your food. You love to have like a delicious wine with a family meal. What would you say your favorite wine would be at? I know you love your Sunday dinners and things. What would you serve to your friends and family around a Sunday dinner? We do a favorite. <clears throat> a favorite. Um... I think I go with the fashion of what wine is in at the time. Yeah. So is it 99 Crimes? Is oh, it, yeah. Is one the in the house at the red, minute? Yeah. yeah. We like that. Or we, I just look at what the bottle looks like. If it looks like a nice bottle, I'll go with if it. I, if I'm, can I be brutally honest? Yeah, of course. Do, the guests will get whatever we've been given in a sense of an offering. So when people have come to visit or for what our birthdays or whatever it might be and they've given you a present yeah. or whatever it might be, they say, oh, lovely. And, and and you kind of think, well, we'll save that for when guests come. And they say, what's the offering? They say, well, actually, it's it's not the wine we've chosen. It's a wine that we've received, but let's all enjoy it together. So it's a bit of a yeah. pick and mix. So, so I never get a chance to kind of put on my own. I don't, my own offerings would be, wouldn't necessarily be wines that I've chosen myself. It's wines that we've we've got as gifts, maybe, um, from from friends when they've come over. And, and that's it. So you kind of... Well, that's a lovely way of to like sharing the memory with that, like for previous guests with yeah, yeah present yeah, guests. Yeah, yeah you no, know, I, I can get, I definitely get on board with that. It's very different to like bringing violet creams. You know, like, they've done like the rounds, you know, like when you bring like a chocolate box oh, of like yeah, violet yeah, creams yeah. and you're yeah. like, yeah. and then you get it back again. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we bought it you. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, it's always different, isn't it? Because we've got, we, we never seem to have the, the wines we buy ourselves. But ultimately, the wines we have from from friends and and, and guests, whatever they've come over, yeah. they've all got obviously different tastes. We've so got a friend actually who's bag. very very into wine, and I think it was um, we were celebrating something. I can't remember what it was, and they sent us what I didn't know at the time was like the most expensive and poshest wine they could send us. Can you remember what it was? No. And. Kelvin turned around and I was like pouring gallons into a cook steak. <laughs> Kelvin was like, what, what are, you are you doing? That lady? is the most expensive wine. It's one that you don't open. And I was like, oh, I'm just cooking like. <laughs> I bet that was a freaking awesome steak. I bet it was the best steak ever. <laughs> so yeah, we, we should get more clued up so that we know, we know what we're drinking better. Well, I would say though, just a note to, to listeners, um, when you do cook with wine in a recipe, make sure it's actually a good wine. Cause I always say like, whatever you cook with, you also want to be able to have a glass of, because like oh, that will show, it's, it's like, you know, when you make a good stock or base, like you don't want like crappy ingredients. That's so, interesting. Yeah. I'm not saying the most expensive, but like a you good. should be able to enjoy a glass of it on its own if it's going into your casserole. Oh. Wow, because we've always not thought, I, I don't know, maybe one would assume that if you're only, if it's only going to go into your casserole, then maybe it should be 
you shouldn't really put as much effort in. So I was right. The well, expensive yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be the most expensive, but <laughs> but um, yeah. on the wine subject and like also relating back to you guys, I know that you first met at age eight. Yep. And you even had your first kiss together, which I just like think is so, I'm such a romantic. I love that. But you only officially got together after Liz graduated from university. Mm -hmm. Where did you go for your first dinner date? And did you have wine? And if so, what? Well, see how good your memory is, Liz. Because I'm, I'm like, I'm very romantic. And Liz is yeah. the no. least romantic person ever. <laughs> so the first That's date. That's why it works. Yeah, exactly. Go on, go on. The first date, where was it? Our first date was in a beautiful restaurant in a place called Upper Mill. Upper Mill. No, it no, wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> What was it called? <laughs> what was it called? Little Brits. So Little Brits, that's just, it. Just off the reservoir, yeah. Um, and we went for lunch because I was working in the evening. So Calvin picked me up for lunch. And so there was no wine because I was driving. There was no Sorry. wine because it, it was a lunchtime Maybe thing. Maybe sparkling water. But um, I think I ordered like um, some chicken dinner. Yeah. And Kelvin ordered, a, I'll never forget, a Caesar salad. And that was a red flag. I thought, why is he ordering yeah. a Caesar salad? With Why anchovies, without anchovies or something. Without, oh, without anchovies, that would be the red flag for me. But would it? Yeah. I love anchovies. Yeah, without the anchovies. I love Caesar salads, but I don't like anchovies, so I asked for Caesar salad and... No. <laughs> but it was but a I, beautiful lunch. You remember lunch. the lunch? Yeah. Okay, that's a very good On the reason. way, when we paid for the bill, this is our first date, so we knew each other. We did date as kids, but only as teenagers and whatnot. And girlfriend, it was almost like it weird was... that we were like then on a date after being kids. Yeah, then fast forward, in our yeah. early mid-twenties, we've re-met. I guess after university and whatnot, and yeah. I've been living in Leeds and we bumped into each other in, and we'd exchanged numbers and kind of, was it going to rekindle? We were there at this restaurant mid afternoon for our first date, Yeah, a uh, cute little lunch, then you was off to work. And on the way out, I grabbed the business card because I paid the bill and I grabbed the little business card because I thought it was the first time in that restaurant. I thought, what a cute little place this is. I remember it and they had a little business card there. Fast forward, however many years later, 11 years later, we're in London, we're at one Mayfair, getting married the night before as your wedding gift. I've kept that business card in my wallet since no. that first date with a view that one day, this is how, when I said I'm a deep thinker. <laughs> so what Liz's wedding present, there was no diamonds, nothing like that. I'd spent enough on the wedding already. <laughs> and it was just a case of, you're you watching the hotel the night before. And a, a, a gift was this crumpled up, all, it'd been my wallet, but it was all kind of bitty around the edges and on the back. I wrote a little message saying, I can't wait to, to marry you tomorrow. And that was your gift. How cute is that? I, I love mean, that story. I and she couldn't even remember the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate everything you do. But that's like, that is special, that babe. But, well, I, on that note, before we like move into like the professional section and I'm going to bring out some wine, what would you say is a secret to a long lasting marriage? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Just try and marry someone you like. That's a good start. <laughs> I think yeah. you have to laugh together, work your dreams out together. Don't hold each other back. Yeah. Um, just pursue what you need to do, but do it as a team. Work hard. Like in anything in life, you've got to you've got to put the put the hard work in. You make you you, you know you take your vows, and you've got to take those seriously. And you know, through better you know for better for worse. For worse yeah. And that's what it is richer for poorer, and um, you know sickness and in health. <clears throat> and that is it. That's, you know, there's times through life, the color of life, the variety of life, you will get all of that. And that's where, you know, the testing times, you've got to have faith in what you're doing and why you decided to take those vows and, and see it through. Simple as that. Well, as I said, I think you guys work amazingly well as a team. And I meant what I said about being a power couple. And that brings us nicely into our next one. So, um, as you can see, I've now actually brought out wine and we can do uh, kind of the exercise, which I told you, I, I call it um, the three S's. The swirly swirly is the number, the first stage where you want to, again, as I was mentioning with the spirit, you want to open and oxygenate the compounds, the flavor compounds in the wine. Second step is the sniffy sniffy technical term. And that's, uh, you can actually, you don't have to keep passing this under oh, your nose okay. because actually it's not as high in alcohol. Um, and so you can actually smell for a good five seconds before you get nasal fatigue. And hopefully with this, I hope none of you guys have colds because that does hold you back from tasting. But hopefully, yeah, you are getting kind of lovely brambly fruit flavors, mm. plums. Um, there's a real kind of purity there and cherry and slight savory undertone as well. And then, yeah, the slurpy slurpy is 
the third step where yeah, you roll around your tongue and hopefully again, you can then be able to taste the full fruit by oxygenating the wine. I love the kind of like really grainy textures. Like it's like yeah. this really interesting kind of texture, this wine. Um, that is smooth. Mm -hmm. That is light, isn't it? Light. Well, it's got like a lovely brightness. It's like a lovely purity to it. Like that's what I love. Like there's a lot of dark fruit there, but it's really pure. It's not like confected. It's bright, like, yeah. yeah, very bright, very. Yeah. And I just remember you guys saying that you loved kind of fruit and you love your reds and you love, you wanted something that kind of with your Sunday dinner. So I thought this could be a good option. And this, I'm really excited to say is my first ever wine I've tried from Peru. Oh. And because you guys have such an interesting kind of like professional life and what you've done. Um, I discovered this family, again, this is a wine from Corny and Barrio and they enlightened me this family who actually have Italian heritage, but in the 1800s, they went over to Peru and they started producing like uh, their own wine. And then um, they also produced grapes for Pisco, the kind of like local brandy there. But um, so this is actually, the winery is called Interpalca and they've been actually making local wine since 1818. It's just south of Lima. And why you get that purity is it actually comes, I really want to visit, south of Lima. It's like in this kind of desert, oasis kind of place, but it's quite near the ocean. It's about 60 kilometers away. So that's why you do get that brightness and that purity there because of fresh breezes. But also because of the elevation and because it's in this desert area, it does get a lot of sunshine. So it's this wonderful combination of like rich, dark fruit. But as you mentioned, that that purity and that brightness. And um, this is a blend of Malbec, because I know that you guys like Malbec, but I wasn't just gonna give you a Malbec because that's too easy. So this is an interesting blend of Malbec with another grape called Tanat, which used to come from the Southwest of France. If you ever find wine from Uruguay in this country, it tends to be made from Tanat. And it works really well um, in Lima too, because it can deal with the heat, it's pretty easy to grow. And it has like that brightness and acidity too. So Malbec yeah, tends yeah. to be really plush. And then the Tanat kind of, corsets it in a bit and kind of infuses it with that pure acidity. So I just kind of thought it was like, you know, it has the Italian heritage and I know that you love Italy. Yeah. I know that you love your Malbec, so it's a nod to that. But also it's the story of this enterprising family from Italy who've gone over and now they're probably one of the top wineries. It's called Interpalca in, in Peru. And, and I've been to Peru, but I had no idea that they had wine. So thank you so much for letting me discover it. So traditionally, would Malbec be a bullshit, bold, bright, big, Taste. It tends to be um, plump and opulent, particularly like, I know that you like Argentinian Malbec. Malbec yeah. um, from France, where it's known as Cot, is a bit more like vegetal and herbaceous and not so high in alcohol. But like the, the combination of the Malbec, the big plush opulent Malbec with the Tanit, which can be known for its astringency, is actually like a really good companionship. So that restrains like you guys. it. guys, I'm it, not gonna oh. say who's, who's the astringent <laughs> one and who's the opulent one. But it restrains it a little bit, it conforms it, can it? Yeah, because exactly. just, it pulls yeah. the reins a little bit. Exactly. So I just kind okay. of thought, you know, this wonderful marriage of grapes, Italian heritage and pioneers, that actually fits uh, into your story. So I was just gonna ask you some questions. You, was you gonna ask who's the Malbec and who's the- <laughs> who's, the, who's the Malbec and who's the Tanner? Yeah. We can answer that after maybe a bit more um, wine. <laughs> but um, I was just gonna say, so you have this incredible farm, 120 acres in the Peak District. What made you decide to leave it? You had like amazing careers in acting. Kelvin, you won the 2019 Strictly. What made you decide during the pandemic when most people were freaking out, let's go and buy a farm and try farming with no experience. <laughs> it's, it is as crazy as it sounds. Um, and initially we were moving to California uh, to as actors, as a young family, just to take two, three, four, who knows, just a, a chapter within our lives mm -hmm. to go and try something new. Live in a new country. Yeah. Naturally as actors, that's the mecca, that's the hub of the industry, you know, Hollywood, LA, and, and kind of be around there, but try and live a, just a different life, whether that's on the beach. Was it Hermosa Beach we were, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were looking at? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to kind of, we'd visit there, we stayed there for four months, I think, with, with our, we only had, we only had the one time baby then. So, yeah. yeah, you guys have been very productive. <laughs> You've done a lot. <laughs> yes. well, they, uh, back then there was no good TV. <laughs> but now there's great TV. But yeah, so that was the plan to go to LA and spend a few years over there. Pandemic came. And as you, you know, rightly say, people then was, it was all about kind of, wow, you know, taking a moment to reflect and be present and, and take stock. And we did take stock, but it was apparent to us that 
yes, we can't go to America now with the visa situa situation. We had to kind of, but we wanted some change. So we needed some change. We needed to do something completely different as a, as a family. Still acting and still wanted to kind of pursue our careers. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's the reason is because as actors, you're at the mercy of decisions, cast directors, producers, directors, whatever it might be. The, where you live, that, that's the control that, that's the only control maybe that we have as, as actors. So that was, we wanted to kind of think, well, actually, we'll decide what we're, going, what we're doing and where we're living. It's not going to be California, but what else can it be? So we looked from well, Scotland. You were I looked, I've got an obsession with right move. I looked at Scotland, Wales, suburbia, uh, countryside. So what made you cities. choose the Peak District? The Peak District was just random. Um, I was on the train to London from Manchester, and about a third of the journey in, you get to kind of South Cheshire. Um, and and going through the rolling hills of the Peak District, and I remember thinking it's an hour and forty from London, so I could get to London pretty quickly. I'm still relatively northern, so I'm close to my roots. Yeah, where everybody's really really friendly. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> friendly in the south as well, but sometimes they think, what's the, what's the agenda? Why are you chatting to me? Yeah. What, what, what do you want? <laughs> Nothing, love. I just want to ask how you are. I, I, how's, how's your day been? Um, and and I saw this little place, and we viewed it, and Liz thought. I was crazy, I thought it was a beautiful place, beautiful part of the world, but we really can't live on a farm. It's not us, we've, you know. And I said, well, why not? Well, we weren't the best gardeners, so I thought... I was going to say, did you do any training at all? Nothing, Nothing. at all. Nothing. 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 You had to learn on the job. Yeah, we are still learning on the job. YouTube, forums. People. Signing Farmers. up to the Grassland Society, or whatever it is, I'm trying to absorb as much information. And it's overwhelming, wow. don't get me wrong, it, it is overwhelming. That's incredible. But it's, you know, what we are now, two and a half, nearly three years in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the countryside rocks. So you say you love the countryside. What do you produce exactly? Uh, Carilla, we're, we're traditionally, the, the farm has been many things, but mainly a livestock farm. So so we rear animals from, from sheep, um, cows. We, we don't Carilla, but historically, it's, it's had everything from a dairy farm to a beef farm to a sheep farm, pigs. So currently, we've got pigs, sheep, uh, we've got a stable yard, we've got horses there, we've got a little um, paddock of goats. Chickens. We've got chickens. Cat. Uh, cat, dog alpacas. and four feral children. <laughs> alpacas. So yeah, we, we're, a, we're a small holding in a sense of there's no real commercial, big commercial endeavour. Right. Uh, currently. Um, with, a view, with a view to just keep it local, keep it small and kind of, we're farming how we would have farmed maybe 100 years ago. That's amazing. And so it's a little yeah. bit of everything, a real mixed farm. You know, we've got bits of, we, we, we're running chickens, we're running um, pigs, um, cows, you know, it's just a really kind of mixed a mixed farm. And um, you, I know that you'd also mentioned, um, I read in a previous interview, that you wanted to one day maybe be self-sufficient in terms of like produce and food and drink. What would that entail? Like yeah, well, we've just started our own veg patch. The first time we've ever done that. That might not be a big deal to some people, but that's the first that's time huge, we've ever yeah. done it. And just to maintain that and make sure it grows well. So we've done that. You see that in the show, so you need to watch it to see how that turns Absolutely. out. But yeah, I guess that's oh, that's part of it. That is us growing the food there, then using the stock. And, and then, you know, going along this whole, um, you know, drinking local, eating local, supporting local... Would you ever actually plant your own vines, given that you like that you like wine? We've actually tried some Yorkshire wine on the podcast. It was fantastic. If our land would allow us to do that, which I would hope, if it's being done in Yorkshire, then then I'd then why not? I mean, that, we're we're yeah. nine hundred feet above sea level, but we've got with some very fertile, rich soil, so that would be incredible and probably easier than animals. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, we'd love to. Absolutely. Why? You know, why, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? To yeah, hack, to, to have, have your own wine. Our own. I mean, yes. Maybe wow. you can start making slow gin first and just see how that goes before yeah. wine. That's something we could look into. It could be. Yeah. Well, we was thinking we've we've kind of I was, I was speaking with the agronomist uh, a few weeks ago, and he suggests that uh, a spring barley could be could be an option for a couple of our fields. So maybe that could be a whiskey option oh, in yeah. the future. So yes, you never know. That's so cool. But we listen, we're, we're two and a half years in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're, we're still figuring things out, but yeah. absolutely, that that is food for thought. I was just going to say that you're, it's amazing what you've done in two and a half years. How do you manage to juggle work, four children? I know that you still keep up acting gigs too. Um, can you even go on holiday with a farm? Like, I, how do you do it all? I sneaked off to Portugal a couple of weeks ago and played golf for three days. Well, that's the thing. It's one at home and the we kind of juggle it between us. If one has to go away, the other one's at home running it. 
And yeah, I don't know. We look at other people and think, how do they do it? Because our kids are, you know, the, the school run is always chaotic. You're always missing a school kit that you need. You're yeah. always leaving the house late. We're late and for you everything. You must have like and... lambing season to deal with too, which just must, you know, like that's yeah, way that's, more. That's intense. That's, but but yeah. you know, it's some of the, the most intense periods are the most beautiful periods as well. And that's where, you know, to witness the birth of, of your own child or a little baby lamb is the significance of that. And no matter how many times you've seen it, it's overwhelming. It feels like a real honor to, to kind of witness that. And uh, you know, so this this year we, we lambed, what did we lamb? 50 ewes, so we had- And what period of year would that be the most so intense period So it depends how your system farmer. is, but traditionally you, you, would, um, you would put your males out, your yeah. tubs out on, on November the 5th, okay. on bonfire night. And, and allowing your tops, the sheep, sheep work on, I'll get uh, you know a bit technical now, but sheep have a 17 day cycle. So if that top covers the sheep on, on the 5th of October right. and it's a success, yeah. uh, then she will lamb on the 1st of April, on April Fool's Day. So they've got a gestation period of 147 days, oh, wow. roughly. So if, if, if you top, so we're planning now for April. So April we will lamb. So for us, the, the, four, you know, the last week of March and the full week through April is our lambing. Lambing that must time. be insane. So that's that's intense. But we're yeah. prepping that kind of now. But it's incredibly rewarding. And you're up all night and you don't know what's going to happen next. But it, when it's finished and you sit down and you look back and reflect, it's the most rewarding thing. And, and what you achieve and what you learn in that time is so valuable. And even though farming has the same sort of seasons every year, you, you kind of follow this cycle. But every year is so different. Of course, it's the same with wine too because... Like you're working off the land, and it probably must be a very humbling experience because there's so many external factors which you can't control. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which keeps it stimulating and interesting, but you're always constantly learning, and you can't take anything for granted. Yeah. yeah. Well, the harvest this year for us, you know, making hay was was so probably three or four weeks later than it has been in previous years. And the real jeopardy there then is because if you can't get the crop that you need, what's going to sustain your animals over the winter? Yeah. You know, we're, a, full, we're a grass-fed system, exclusively grass-fed. So, it's, so the, the, the crop we grow is, is vital. So our soil management, our grass management has got to be absolutely on point to get to, for it to be as, as, as productive as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with, with the ever-changing weathers that we've experienced, you know, the wettest July, I think, on, on record, you know, you, you, the whole myth of like farmers kind of checking the weather and complaining about the weather, you're doing it. Because I've never checked a weather app as often as I, as no, I have. you're as, extremely as vulnerable. I think that's what Absolutely, people do yeah, yeah, realise. Yeah. And like you said before, you don't get to go away because whatever you've got planned, we just needed a three to five day window of sunshine. So whatever was planned in that three to five day window just got cancelled because that's the only time we can make hay. So you don't really plan. We don't plan anything ahead. Luckily, we're very good at being last minute, which I think you have to be as a farmer because you've got to be reactive. You've got to just... Think on your do, feet. Yeah, exactly. And you're right, you don't often get away and, and you just are at the mercy of, of the elements sometimes. What? Would you say that's the toughest aspect? or Because I know that's like, it's incredible and you've, you're learning all these and having this amazing experience. What would you think is like the toughest aspect in case anyone is listening who's considering going into farming? I think, I, I guess it's what farming, you know, where if, if the farm is your business in a sense of, you know, if, if you're running a business and it's a commercial endeavor, then naturally, if things are going to inhibit your ability to, to produce and therefore produce turnover and produce profit, then, then it's, it is scary because it's done. There's so many factors that are out of your control. And, you know, it's probably a big reason as to why mental health is, is at such a, a poor state within farmers, you know, especially... Farming can be quite lonely. We're farming as a family, but a lot of the time, you'd be up in the hills or in the tractor on your own. It's a lonely, but, yeah. uh, you know, so there are many struggles uh, and, and as smallholders, we're just kind of learning. For us, our biggest thing is to get an understanding. How do you live off the land? How can we work with nature and, and rear some animals, have a great experience, live a, live a great life, educate our children on what's around them, from the trees to the grass to the animals. Because they're fairly involved, aren't they? Yeah, Absolutely. they're very and, and, and as they should be, you know, yeah. to, and create fundamentally what does farming, living off the land represent? It represents, you know, true values, working hard, being, uh, you know, reactive like Liz says, uh, it, it, being able to change with the elements and the factors that come in and just enjoying life and, you know, and, and living a little bit more of a, you're consuming a little bit less, just a simpler, a simpler life, you know, and, and, and enjoy the fruits of, of what, what that life and, and what that land can give you, really. Like a wine, when we get our own, Vineyard, yeah, so yeah. what a great idea, yeah. So when should we when should we implement that? 
When should that be? What time? Well, look, you can be the obviously you are the expert. I can be your consultant. You be the consultant. Come and check vines. our land. Come and check the soil. Well, you have like one of those little sticks that. Yeah, check, exactly. Yeah. So you yeah. do all that, yeah. and then say, right, Kelvin, you need to you need to plant at this time, and then we will harvest at this time, and then before you know it, we'll be sat back around this table drinking wine, and it's from your farm. What is the process? How long does it take to grow the grape to make the wine? Um, it depends on the grape and it depends on the terrain. I mean, if we were wanting to drink, I had some really good Pinot Noir from Yorkshire like the other day, but you know, the vines were about 15 years old. Oh, wow. Years okay. Old. Yeah. Kids can do it. Yeah. <laughs> just moderating expectations here. But <laughs> well, I am so glad that, yeah, you're enjoying this wine. As I say, this is my first Peruvian red wine. It's available, Corny and Barrow. It's 30 pounds, but I think it's, you know, it's been aged for a year in oak. It's so it's elegant. It. It's worth Ooh. it. I just, I just think it's superb. And I would love to like bring it to someone who would normally drink like red Bordeaux and things. Cause I think it's super elegant and interesting, but just the story behind it is great too. Mm-hmm. And with that, we'll move on to the next stage of your story. Moving into the third section, which is, so we've done like personal stuff, like professional. And now this is like a more general kind of overview. And the great thing about you guys is you have so many different projects. You've got so many different interests. And uh, again, I wanted to choose a bold red because I know that you said you like your bold reds and things. And I remember you saying that you loved um, your Malbecs. Again, as I said, I've not given you that. But what I've given you is a grape from Italy called the Primitivo grape, which is related to the Zinfandel grape, which you get in California. I know that you guys have spent a lot of time in California. So what you're expecting with this grape is big and bold and... um, with this too, it's it's from Puglia. Zing it. Zing it. A bit of zing in there. There is a bit of zing in there. There's a bit of... Uh, hopefully you're also getting like dark plum fruit, a little bit of kind of um, cinnamon spice um, and vanilla spice from the oak barrels. It's from Puglia. So these grapes are kind of sun-drenched. Uh, you know, it's right in the heel of Italy. And again, I wanted to choose something from Italy because I know that's where you had your honeymoon and you love Italian food. And um, I just kind of think it's, it's, you're right though, it does have a good acidity there because it is a foodie wine. So you can imagine it's like, you can think of like the kind of hearty dishes you would get in Southern Italy. And it would go great actually with vegetarian food and kind of like tomato based and caponata and like all of that kind of thing. But also great with meat dishes. My sister actually had a primitiva at her wedding because she got married in November. So we were having like capon and like lots of hearty kind of veggie and sides. And it's like, it's a it's feels a like really a wintery, great... like you yeah. can imagine it's at Christmas time or a cold. Fire on, wine yeah. out, and yeah. It, yeah. It's a good, yeah, it's a good casserole. <laughs> casserole. Like, casserole, like we were talking about like wines and casserole. But, um, and so part of the reason why I want to show you is because I just like think like this grape is, is it's, it's a grape which I think you should know about. Primitivo 2 tends to be generally very affordable. Um, this is about 13 pounds, 13 pounds 50, but I think it really delivers in kind of the richness and the brightness and food friendly element. And um, also it's made from the Familia Pasqua. So it says on the label here, it's got a really cool a great design label. where like it's, it's got the emblematic, like uh, kind of, what do you call that? That Italian hand gesture, yeah. like, ah, oh, the good life. And, and it's called Muccietto, which Muccietto. I looked up online. I don't speak Italian. I've probably butchered the language, but I looked up online and it basically means pile of, like a pile of things. And I like, it's all about like, yes, in life, we've got like pile of things going on. And it's when full. I think of people who've got, lived a very enriched oh. life, full of projects, full of things and full of children. Um, I thought that this actually That's corresponded great. to you guys very well. And this family, yes. they've been creating wine uh, since like the 1940s, 1930s in Northern Italy, but now they've got really cool wine projects all around Italy. So a bit like you guys, like with your diverse um, projects. And they're also very, very big into sustainability and they're part of the Porto Protocol, which is like a few like, um, like member, like uh, kind of wineries from around the world in 20 different countries who are all working on regulations to try and deal with climate change from the wine industry perspective, whether that's like getting involved with regulations on water and sustainability and um, packaging, because that leaves huge carbon footprints. So I just thought it tied in with you guys a lot. And um, what do you guys think? I, like I think this. I prefer, this is, feels for me like a bit of a grower. Initially, it did feel a bit more acidic and a bit more of a zingy, but it's not quite with as, each it, it gets opens better. Up. It opens up, yeah. yeah. And I'd, I'd probably, probably go as far as saying, I think I prefer this to the first. To, well, Again, to the both of them, normally, 
people come here for lunch. I've deliberately, what I did with the first is like slightly more savory from the tannet. So I'd like got some sausage rolls out. This, I think like with the spice and stuff, I think it could actually go with the meaty sausage rolls, but then also the cinnamon spice, you could also have it with the cinnamon swirl. So, but yeah, this is, um, yeah, a good, yeah, Muccietto by Familia Pasqua. So I thought that was like a fun one um, for you to try. Muccietto. 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 With like impl emblematic um, hand gestures. But uh, so talking about like your diverse projects and everything, given the, your background of acting, dancing, motorsports, now farming, have there been any transferable skills from your various act like previous activities which you brought with you to the farm? I was catching the sheep recently <laughs> and I found myself doing a twirl and you actually commented. I was like the waltz. You were like spinning yeah. around. No yeah. way. I was literally pirouetting. I'm beautiful. Craig would have been giving me a 10. And it, and it was maybe at the footwork, the, the coordination. You still got it. The fluidness. Maybe that's what I got from the days of Strictly and they've transferred now into a random yeah. field in the Peter Sheik whilst wrestling an 80 kilo sheep. <laughs> Well, surely having to think on your feet, um, that must be like applicable to both dancing, acting and farming. I, I think, I think yeah. it's just having that enthusiasm and you've got to have that self-belief because we've picked a career with, with acting. You, you feel like you're at the mercy of other people and other people's decisions. And with farming, again, it's a little bit of an unknown. You don't know what's coming around the corner, whether that's the weather changing, the price of you know, you know the meat or whatever the produce it is because the market... It's quite unique. These guys produce wine and they'll dictate what that wine retails at, sells at. You know, they're in charge of that. Whereas as a farmer, you, you, you create, you grow the food and you're told what that food will sell for. So it feels quite, you know, you're there's, at the mercy, you're at the mercy yeah. again. So we've chosen these careers that seem to be, you know, quite a, a real sense of unknown, but it's exciting. But in that, I remember a farmer saying to me, you have to make the land work for you. Yeah. And that's where every inch of it must not be wasted. So that's where as actors, we've been, become creative and we've started to do events on the farm, which is under our control. We can put on what we think people would want. Yeah. And we've got a huge Christmas event coming up this Christmas, um, which is gonna be so magical where children and families can come have a real unique Christmas experience. It's a huge operation. We've been planning it for months, wow. but they will come, they will have that whole magical experience, but also we'll blend it in with the farm where they can come into the yard and they will see the animals and they can learn more with, you know, we've got a toddler one, which is all about sensory and learning about extra things that they can really get, in the thick of it. Yeah. And yeah. I think for us, that's our key to make every little bit work for us. As big or little as it is, you don't let any of it be wasted. You don't let it just sit there. Thank you so much for, yeah, we've gone through now the three different, well, two wines, one gym. And we're now going to one of my favorite parts of the podcast, which is the wine confessional, where I ask people to reveal a funny, hilarious, maybe slightly cringe story involving wine. Now you have been prepped for this. I'm not that mean. I do let people know. Um, I'm really intrigued to hear what you guys are gonna say. Have you got one, Liz? If there's ever been a moment like that with wine or anything, yeah. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> that is another guest has also used that very elegant, elegant answer. I remember, Colin, when we had our preliminary call, you said that something did come to mind. Yes, I had. Um, I was at a friend's house and he, he showed me this beautiful wine glass that boasted that it could fit a full bottle of wine in there. Um, and it looked quite unassuming. <laughs> it just looked like a lovely wine glass. And he said, well, actually, that wine glass has got the capacity that it, you, it'll fit a full bottle of wine in it. I was like, that's surely not. I said, that, you know, it's just... You can a big bottle of wine and there's no way that would be. And he said, Kelvin, seriously, yeah. So I didn't believe him. So I had to open the wine and put it to the test. And it did. Lo and behold, it was a, still a beautiful ornate piece of glassware that perfectly fits in a full bottle of wine. Red wine, I may Whoa. Um, and so then we'd open a bottle with no intention of drinking that, that day or night. I can't remember what time it was. And then we've got a glass full of wine. So I was like, well, you proved me wrong. Uh, I'll finish it off. And that was kind of the, the, 
the tone was set. I think we did about three or four bottles that night. <laughs> in just two glasses, people. In, in, in one glass, we just shared it's the glass. We shared the glass. We shared the glass. I don't know if it was some sort of joke glass, but I've, to this day, I've never... Is that a thing in the wine world? I have not really... I mean, I've seen joke glasses. I would well, love to see, like, an ornate one. This is the thing. It wasn't an obvious kind of big gu- could, of yeah. a joke glass. It was done in a way that I was like, there's no way. It wasn't a joke glass. It was just, like, a lovely... And I was like, there's no way that... And it, it wow. somehow did it. And then um, we had a few bottles and uh, I tripped over and uh, chipped my two front teeth. <laughs> no! Woke up in the morning and thought, that is the worst nightmare ever. And then I smiled and thought, and I think I was on camera like the next day I had to get an emergency dentist. Um, so yeah, that was that was a real... Oh, wow! A real turn, a real turn. I had permanent damage. Permanent physical damage. But your teeth look great now. You never know. You never know. Thank you. Yeah, he's he's been brushing them. (laughs) Permanent physical damage from 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 a yeah a big glass. A glass of a bottle of wine, not recommended. Now I'm going to have to ask because it's been on my mind and I'm sure it's been on other people's minds. Strictly has kind of followed you guys wherever you go, and I was wondering, would you ever go back on it again or do any kind of dance competition? Liz, also, do you think you'd ever consider dancing on Strictly? Good yeah. question. The bar's been set quite high. For well, us. yeah, the, I've got big shoes on. to fill. Who could ever compete with day one of the Samba? But it's funny because I saw Kelvin go through that process and it does look like the most nerve-wracking thing you could yep. ever do to yourself. Yeah. But as I saw at the end of Saturday night when you've achieved all that hard work that you've put in in the week. It was just the greatest feeling, wasn't it? And us as a family was just so proud of Kelvin. And I almost would be sick with nerves doing it, but I'd love to put myself through it and see what I could do and see, you know, I'm not any sort of, I can't dance really, but I'd love to see with someone with that. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, the, the professionals on there are so talented. I'd love to see if I had that opportunity. What would I? What would I do? You know, some. What would you wear? What, what the costumes? Exactly, yeah. the whole thing's amazing. Because like, you used to, um, you know, work in fashion. Yes. And I was curious now, like, would you ever go back into fashion? Do you miss like not being able to dress up? Or actually, are you now actually more comfortable wearing wellies? And actually, you don't miss that side of life anymore. Well, the best thing about the farm is there's this whole country fashion that I didn't know existed. Oh my God, tell me some the, more. Okay, just, what is this? It's all the tweeds, it's all oh, the max, yeah. it's all the hat, the flat caps. So now my fashion is so, it's gone another way. I That's almost cool. feel, you know, I feel weird now in like um, something that I would probably wear in the city. Now I yeah. absolutely feel at home in wellies, a tweed coat, tweed coat yeah. a jacket, a hat, or that's my, yeah, that's which, my vibe now. No, and again, it's, it's all about like being creative and expressing yeah. yourself in a whole new way, which is reflects the chapter now. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I did have to ask, I read somewhere that apparently you were allergic to horses and hay. Is this I'm allergic true? to everything. How do you everything. survive on a farm? <laughs> It's so strange. It's cured me. The fresh no. country air has cured me. That's I used amazing. to spend my life sneezing. If a little bit of sunlight came through the window, I'd be sneezing. <laughs> Kelly's looking at me just. No, it has. But now I never sneeze. I was when we bought the farm. I remember saying to Kelvin. What if a cloud of horsehair just wafts past me? I'm gonna have like the biggest allergic reaction. <laughs> he was like, "How often do clouds of horsehair <laughs> waft around?" <laughs> but I never sneeze. I'm totally you cured. Had, you had a period of where you couldn't walk through the stables. Yeah, felt. but now it's a little. Whereas I'm now getting you're, better. You're fully cured. Yeah. It's kind of like jumping in at the deep end. If you can't swim and you just dip your toe in and you go to the shallow end, uh, you've done the opposite. You've literally jumped in with no armbands on. Yeah. And you've you've kind of sunk a little bit, and then all of a sudden a miracle has happened, and you come up swimming, doing the doggy paddle, and you're absolutely fine. And that's what she's yeah. done. So now, I can't remember the last time you got hay fever or sneezed. Exa- exactly. Or there's no red eyes. We've actually got a cat. We've got a cat oh now God, that I'm, I'm not allergic, allergic to. Cats. to. That's amazing. Yeah. It's so strange. I was must have just been allergic to the pollution in the city. <laughs> No, I, I just think that that's so inspiring to literally throw yourself in an environment where... <laughs> yeah, I was genuinely yeah. worried about it, actually. Yeah. But um, no, it's worked out well. And would either of you consider any acting gigs in the future? I mean, it sounds like you're able, and I'm still trying to get my head around this, able to juggle kids, farms, 
and also creative projects on the side. So I guess you're not like ruling out, maybe. Are you allowed to tell us anything or like any thoughts? There's, um, absolutely. I've, I've just finished a drama in, in May of this year. That I think that comes out in January of 24. And uh, that was a period drama. Um, I had a little mustache for that and <laughs> quite, quite like the look. Um, but for, for us, I think the only thing is, first and foremost, as actors, that's, that's where my, I guess, biggest passion lies. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as, as that's um, from doing something that, from a six, seven-year-old kid, and and it's, it's it, as a, as an artist, as a, I just love it. Acting for me has always been, always will be. I can't imagine a life where I don't act. Yeah. And and if you are lucky enough to get the opportunities to go and do that in a professional setting, you know, with jobs. And last year I was at the National Theatre, and so that very much is still ongoing. But I think for us, we've got to decide on as a family, as a family unit. You know, if I go and book a job for three months and it takes me away from the farm, from the family. How, how do you fit that in? Yeah. You know, theatre tours for one, I was offered something recently and it was a, you know, six month tour. Great, great piece of theatre, you know, with a great company. But how can I, how can I justify that? How can I make that work? So the decisions now are kind of a bit more of a collective. It's, um, we have to kind of, there's a lot to consider, isn't there? When yeah. we're taking on potential new jobs, but... Um, who knows what goes on in the future and the best thing about the show is we get to do a little bit of both we get to be yeah. uh, acting combine all your passions yeah and blend that in with farming and I think you know that's where we're at the minute and who knows what you that that's the thing as a job in actor you never know what's going to come up and that's what we look forward to the excitement of what is next and we'll just work it out it, when a job comes in that just has to you know it just feels right we always work it out between us we that's when we really have to find the balance and think, right, where can we make, how can we make this work? And You need and to write a film about wine. Okay. Uh, a beautiful love story, or is it a thriller? I don't know. I'll leave that to you. Okay. So write something. Yes. And wine is at the base of it. Maybe, maybe it's set at a vineyard or something. Maybe it's set over in Peru. We go over there. Can it be a detective murder thing? A detective murder, okay. Brilliant. Okay. And you, the leading, this the, first now, listeners. The leading man and the leading lady are sat right here in front of you. We're the <gasps> actors that will be in that show. So you create... You create the content and we'll bring it to life. And, and I've actually always wanted to do a murder mystery. Well, there like you go. Like a murder there mystery. You go. There you go. We're the detectives. So that's going to be our next, our next gig. Amazing. Hopefully it won't take as long to create as 10-year-old Vines for Pino. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I can't... It's been such a pleasure having you here at my home. And, again, I think what I said at the beginning of you guys, like, not just being a power couple, but just, like, yeah, just a really inspirational lovely lovely couple of people who've created an incredible family and are still able to keep your dreams alive i mean <sighs> cheers to that cheers to that's that extremely impressive. thank you so much for listening guys i hope that this has inspired you to grab a glass and have a wonderful conversation with someone close to you if you have enjoyed this episode please can you like and review because I've heard that this is how people can find me. And if you are interested in any of the wines featured in today's episode, all wine notes are included in the podcast description below. You can also find ways to contact me via my email, website, and social media handles. The common theme is at Amelia's Wine. You do need to remember, though, that there is a hyphen between Amelia's and wine. Otherwise, it looks like Amelia's swine. Thank you so much again, and back in blessings. Thank <laughs> you.